This is Tom O'Malley, age 10, Hanshin Tigers, English News. Tom, we're back with a fresh episode of H10 Hanshin Tigers English News just for you, fellow Hanshin Tigers fan. Welcome to episode 167 on this nice, finally nice Wednesday, March the 1st. Beautiful weather here in Nishinomiya, Japan. I'm the founder of H10, T-Ray, and joining me from Hawaii is Sanjay. Aloha, brother. How's it? Aloha, brother, T-Ray. I'm doing well, but man, it's a cloudy, windy, and very rainy day here. Typical Hawaii weather for the winter again. Well, stay inside and uh, stay warm. Stay in front of that telly and enjoy a whole lot of baseball. We are going to be talking baseball with you today. On today's show, we are going to recap some spring scrimmages and some preseason action. And we're going to hear from Hanshin Tigers legend Tom O'Malley through the interview that I did with him about a week and a half ago. Sanjay, ready for your required dosage of Hanshin Tiger's dopamine? Bring it on, brother T-Ray. I'm ready too. Let's go. Time for some rumors and news. Rumors and news. Rumors and news. Okay, right off the top, we're going to talk about the position battles. Uh, with the Hanshin Tigers, we have got three main areas that are kind of up for grabs, if you will. One of them would be the sixth starter in the rotation. And uh, second year guy, Kirishiki, was looking good to possibly uh, at least fight for that. But he had a little bit of a rough outing. He got farmed on the 24th of February. So he might be out of it for now. We have got a couple of other lefties, though, that could take that. Those would be Iwasada and Otake. Kotaro Otake, who came over from the SoftBank Hawks, he, in fact, Sanjay, was named the pitching MVP of spring training down in Okinawa. Yes, I saw that. And actually, I think we called t- talked about this before, too. But, you know, Okada is his big senpai, right? That's right. Yeah, they both came out of um, Waseda University. Waseda, yeah. There you go. Yeah. So... so- I think, th- and there was there was some other connection between them, like... Um, Okada had wanted uh, Otake at some point in time early on when, I don't know, somewhere in somewhere in there, there's an additional layer of connection. So Okada has actually been a longtime fanboy of, of Otake's is the impression I got. There you go. Um, so honestly, like Otake, I haven't seen a ton of the footage. I've seen enough to know that nobody was getting hits off of him. Nobody's making uh, you know good contact. He struck out a lot of guys. And uh, let's see how his stuff plays in the Central League because he obviously has some experience against Pacific League hitting and against Western League hitting. That would be the farm uh, teams. But um, I would love to see him in that sixth spot. The other guy, of course, being Iwasada, who has uh, nine years experience. He has got a chance at that spot as well. Let's not forget, though, that uh, as we've talked about in previous episodes, in fact, the depth chart episode, we did talk about this. And we've got lots of guys chomping at the bit to be that sixth starter. Um, and we could name off like probably five more guys. We could have two rotations and still be just fine. Um, and I've heard a lot of the pros, uh, those being the, the columnists and and so on, commentators, saying that Hanshin, hands down, has the best rotation in Japanese baseball. Agreed. 
So good on them for that. Okay, the two positions that are open in the field, one of them would be shortstop, and Kinami seems to have taken the lead over Obata for this one. Uh, any thoughts on that, Sanjay? Yeah, like we said last time, I think, um, if he keeps hitting like that, it's going to be hard to keep him out of the lineup, is what Okada said about Kinami, and it still seems to be true. The thing is, yeah, he doesn't have the range or the flair of Obata, but maybe that's not needed. I mean, one of the things that Okada often talks about is, look, we just need to get the outs that need to be outs. Like, yes, yes. make sure you make the plays that you should make. And we don't necessarily have to worry about making outstanding plays. And the third uh, one that we want to talk about is right field. And there are a lot of people looking to be there. First of all, now we're going to get to the import report in just a little bit. So we'll talk about those guys. But among the Japanese players, I've got three guys that are making a push for that spot in right. The first one being the position player camp MVP, Kota Inoue. Yes. He looked good. He's still just 21 years old. I 21. think he'll be 22. During yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Showing better plate discipline, uh, making better contact overall, and hitting that ball for power. I mean, this is a boy that when he was drafted as an 18-year-old, he was big enough, but he has added an extra layer or two of muscle to that frame. It's looking good. Uh, he trained with uh, Okamoto of the Giants during January as well, so he might have gotten a few tips there. So he's one. The other one is the golden rookie that by all... By all means, I think should or might end up being the starter on opening day, and that would be Morista, who has looked good in yeah. camp. He has. And he also has high expectations for himself. Like he gave himself, he said, I, I give myself about 60 out of 100 for what I did in camp. Oh, he's, that's what, how he graded himself. Yep. Yeah. And he's got this, uh, if you've seen him play, right? I mean, you, you've seen his swings and so on. Mm -hmm. He's got this really stocky build and a very, compact and yet powerful swing it's um and and he they keep saying this on the tv shows as well but when he lets a pitch go because it's not a good pitch or it's not what he's looking for mm. he just looks like he's in charge he's like yeah. you're not fooling me i'm letting that one go because i want to let it go i mean yep. he just you know he looks a little bit like haraguchi used to exude this sort of sense of confidence and 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 almost aura about him powerful aura that, uh, you know, just by standing there, it looks studly. Yeah, he definitely does not look like a rookie up there. But let's uh, curb our expectations just a little bit because he's going to start to face some real good pitching real soon. As we talked about before we hit record, um, very soon he's going to be facing the best pitcher in Japan. Um, okay, so the third guy making a push for that right field spot would be Itayama, who is a, uh, what, seven-year veteran? I think he's going to his seventh or eighth year. Something like that, yeah. Finally! Seems to have turned the corner. I mean, this is a kid that always had the tools as far as just like the physical makeup and, you know, the sound defense and all that stuff. But he seems to have found it this year at last. Never been a starter in his whole seven years of the team. I mean, he's he started a few games, but he's never, you know what I mean? Like even I don't think he's ever had a whole week of being a starter. No, you're right. So this could be his his chance. Um, okay, let's jump right into the uh, injury report before we get into the import report um so i've got three of those to bring to you the first one being one that i think we talked about last time uh sheldon noisy still out um not expected to play for at least another week ish um so yeah he shut down for the final week or so of spring training another import would be jeremy beasley who hurt his right leg um the old 
vague condition furio, right? Bad well, condition. apparently, though, there was there was this thing that said he, he had had his knee operated on or ankle operated on, one or the other, and that he was mm. wearing a brace. And so they, they knew that it was an, an, a past uh, point of contention or a point of mm. you know concern, uh-huh. but that he was cleared to play, and so that's why they signed him. So this is not like completely out of the blue. Okay. Well, so yeah, he left camp a day early or a half day early. Um, and then also our starting catcher, projected starting catcher, Umeno, uh, hurt his right elbow. He said it's like nothing he's ever felt before, but at the same time, he is still doing some just light workouts. He just wasn't doing the full workouts with the team. And he said, I'm just making sure that I'm in perfect condition for the start of the year. Nothing to worry about here is what he said. Okay, let's um, move on to some of the other imports. So um, we will get to this in more detail uh, in the recap section, but BK, KK, and Bs all through on the 26th, and uh, we'll get to that in the recap, as I said. Uh, but they all made their kind of top squad real game, if you will, debut on Sunday the 26th. And then Mie Chang, Mie SS, um, on the 23rd in... Uh, practice game uh he had a hit and two strikeouts but after the game i believe it was like a broken bat single or something like that and then he gave the bat to a kid at the stadium so just like a little one more thing to endear him to the fans and the media seems like the nicest guy ever but he also i think was caught saying um off camera but on mic maybe that he just didn't understand japanese workouts what are we doing this for kind of thing? <laughs> I don't know. That's just a rumor. I'm not really sure. So there's the rumor part of the rumors and news. But that is basically it for rumors and news, except we've got a new corner coming to you that we're going to plug into this space. And we're not sure what we're calling it, but it's all about Fuji. Shintaro Fujinami, our uh, prize you know, draft pick back in 2012, who was our ace for several years uh, before he got lost in the wilderness and is now with the Oakland A's. Well... Um, first of all, I wanted to say that I saw a video of him getting his media, media photos taken, and it just looked like a lot of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's different when you got a translator telling you all the things that you need to do, right? It's like, Hey, turn this way or toss the ball in the air or no, don't say this. Or, you know, like, okay, now say it or, you know, like everything needs to be timed. Right. But it's all done through a translator, but it looked like fun. Cool. And then the big news with uh, Fuji, of course, is that he played today in a an exhibition game against none other than the angels and otani was on the mound for the angels and fuji was on the mound for the a's what an exciting day even though it is still in america february the 28th what an exciting day for japanese baseball fans and people who want to root for both of those guys yeah it was cool so the results of the game for those of you who don't know um who cares who won but both otani and fujinami threw two innings i think actually otani went like two and a third or something like that but yeah. um fujinami two innings pitched one hit it was an infield hit three strikeouts and three walks no runs against so yeah, he, yeah. go ahead i was gonna say he looked like he was having trouble finding the plate as per the old fujinami uh but the one hit actually was the second hitter that he faced um mm-hmm. wrapped one off of his foot or his knee or something his, his right leg yeah and it was an infield single and they were worried for a second that you know he might have injured himself on the very second hitter that he faced in major leagues uh mm-hmm. fortunately it was no big deal and he managed to finish out his outing 
Right. So he struck out two in the first inning, and then I think it was a pop fly to first or second to get the third mm-hmm. out in that first inning, and just the mm-hmm. one infield hit, no walks. And then in the second inning, he walked the bases loaded with no outs. And then Fuji was Fuji. He struck out one guy, and then he induced a 6-3 double play to get out of that second inning. Yeah. So I, I talked to his translator just via line, just texting and said, hey, how are, th- how are things going, whatever. I said, how did he look from your point of view? Because obviously he's seen it from the dugout and he actually went out to the mound during that. And he said he had a good outing overall. First inning was great. In the second inning, he walked three guys in a row, but struck a guy out and turned double play to get out of the inning. So he gave him that stat line. And then I asked him, how's he enjoying life as a major leaguer so far? And this is what uh, Issei said to me. He said he tried In-N-Out Burger. You know In-N-Out Burger, right, Sanjay? (laughs) Yeah, I love In-N-Out Burger. I've had it once and I want it again. No, I had it twice or three times when I was there. But yeah. he said he loved it. Of course, he eats normal stuff every day, but some of the team staff recommended that place and we gave it a try. Food, culture, and language. Fuji is making great adjustments and he likes life in the States so far. Communicating with his teammates often, so the guys seem to like him a lot and it's a good atmosphere in the locker room. There you have it. That's the Fuji report. You won't hear that from anyone else because I got it pretty much straight from you know the source or the source's best friend. That's awesome. You heard it here, HN Hanshi Tigers English News. Before we get into recapping some action, it's time for us to thank our patrons. And you can join the patrons at patreon.com slash the Hanshin Tigers. I've actually been putting out some freebies, some extra freebies for people there um, uh, in the form of kind of podcast type stuff, audio cast type stuff. Give that a listen. It's all for you if you're a Patreon. I've even got one that's free for everybody. Again, patreon.com slash the Hanshin Tigers. So we want to thank Yana Rasanen, the Tokyo Swallows podcast out in Tokyo, of course, Anita in Nishinomiya, Ian Hadel in Texas, Joe in Wakayama, Jamie Owens of Central English Okayama, Shane Barclay of Japan Ball, Tom Zilla in Osaka, Rick Silvers in Texas, Fran in the UK, Doug in the Netherlands, and Mario in the US of A. Thank you all so much for your support. Thank you, patrons. Recap. Recap. So Sanjay, we have got uh, four games to talk about here. The first two don't count and the next two, well, kind of don't count, but they do count in the standings. So (laughs) February the 23rd, we went in to face the Dragons and we lost the game by a score of nine to three. Who cares? Uh, Aoyagi had one run against. It was a home run by Kenta Bright. Uh, in two innings pitched, Morista and Kinami with RBI doubles, but Kirishiki blew up in the bottom of the sixth, uh, gave up seven runs, I believe it was. Um, and that was why he ended up being farmed after that. Um, and then Haraguchi, I think, came through with something in the seventh, and that was all that she wrote. So nine to three. Next day, it was a farm game. The only reason I bring this up is because it was against Big Boss and the Fighters, and we had a couple of our young studs, hopefuls for the rotation in that game, even though it was a quote unquote farm game. So Junya, Nish, threw four innings and allowed three runs. That was his first kind of hiccup of the spring. But I think he learned something from it, and he will be just fine. It wasn't like uh, he all of a sudden turned into a bad pitcher. And then Psyche went four innings pitch, no runs against, and six strikeouts. Lightning in a bottle. How do you like that? Lightning in a bottle. There you go. And then we had a couple of quote-unquote real preseason games. These count in the preseason standings for what it is worth 
And the first one was in Urasoi against the Tokyo Yakult Swallows, the defending two-time defending Central League champions. We beat them five to two. Ha <laughs> ha, take that. Um, Itayama with a two-run home run. Ueda with a two-run double. Uh, Kumagai scores on a wild pitch. He was on second base, by the way, when that wild pitch uh, was thrown. What a stud. And for as for our pitchers, Iwasada gave up two runs on three innings. Tomida gave up no runs in two innings. Otake, three shutout innings, and Ishii with a shutout inning. So a 5-2 to two win on the 25th. The very next day, the 26th, we go up to Nago, also still in Okinawa, against Big Boss and the Fighters. And uh, we lost this one 8-6. to six. So this is how we got some of our runs. Uh, all of our runs, I should say. Um, Sato with a two-run, RB, uh, two-RBI triple. And Mieses brought him home with an RBI single. It was a nice piece of hitting it was a breaking ball low and outside that it was a ball but he still managed to send that thing into shallow left for an rbi single and then we got three home runs in this one all solo jobs watanabe inoue and haraguchi with solo jobs so pretty good stuff um however a lot of our pitchers gave up runs so yuki nishi was starting this one he gave up a couple of runs bk had uh i think one run on his tab. KK had three, two of which were earned on his tab. Uh, he got hung with the loss. Bees gave up a run, and Niho also gave up a run. Three home runs against for us as well. And Okada let loose. He lashed out against the foreign pitchers. <laughs> yep, he did. I told you so was his attitude. I told you to get in that bullpen more in early February, and you wouldn't get in the bullpen. And now look what happened. And Okada-san, it's February. <laughs> you want these guys to be at their peak for April and beyond. Take a chill pill. So this could be, well, it's not, but that would be something that we would talk about in the Okada corner if we had it. True. Yeah. I don't know. I'm already wondering about how he takes things to the media and his general uh, outlook on the imports. I feel like he's very old school and not very understanding, welcoming, or patient. So look out, foreigners. You guys better be on your best behavior from today all the way till the end of the season. You have been warned. Okada is not your friend. He's your kantok. Okay, speaking of uh, possible kantoku or coach material, I actually, for our hot topic or for our interview today, I got to talk with Mr. Tom O'Malley. Um, Sanjay, you're familiar with who he is? Oh, yeah. Mr. Tom O'Malley, the stud, the man, the myth, the legend. I think you're going to list his accolades before the interview starts, maybe. So um, I'll let Absolutely. you do that. Yeah. So O'Malley played for the Hanshin Tigers from 1991 to 1994, moved on to the Yakult Swallows for the 95 and 96 seasons. So had a six-year run in NPB, batted over 300 for each of those six years. I think the only import to ever have six straight seasons of 300 or better. He also led the league four times in on-base percentage. He also totally endeared himself to the fans. Um, his kind of hero podium uh, famous phrase was Hanshin Taiga's fan wa ichiban ya. You know, they're number yeah. one. And then also he did a recording of Roko Roshi, the Hanshin Tiger song, plus Take Me Out to the Ball Game. Um, it's available on CD or even in the iTunes store. If you want to find it, it is there. So I asked him about <laughs> that as well. Um, wonderful guy. He also came back to the Tigers and coached 
Um, he was the import hitting coach. Well, he was just called the hitting coach, but um, 2002 and three under Hoshino and then 2014 through 16, two seasons with WADA under WADA and one season under Kanemoto. So we talked a little bit about that experience as well. Let's give the interview a listen. And then Sanjay, you and I are going to do a little bit of uh, just looking back on it together. Sounds good. Who's in the chair? Who's tea talking to? Who's in the chair? Maybe veteran, maybe new. Who's in the chair? Who's in the chair? Who's in the chair? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to H10 Hunting Tigers English News. And I've got a very special guest for the first time ever, but we're so excited. We've been trying for ages to make this happen. A great star for the Hanshin Tigers in the 1990s, and then a coach in two separate decades for our Tigers, and just uh, an invaluable piece of Tigers history. Mr. Tom O'Malley, thanks for joining us today on the show. Oh, you got it. Anytime. Anything you need, and and uh, always a Hanshin Tiger. That's it. We bleed Hanshin Tiger bleed there. There you go. Appreciate that so much, Tom. And uh, you're looking good. How are you doing? Feeling good. That's it. You know? I don't know, maybe uh might be able to throw in a base hit here or there, but uh we're staying active, um, you know, helping some kids, coaching um, you know, older kids, younger kids, and uh, actually coaching a girls softball team. So and uh that that particular group, they went to the Little League World Series a few years ago. So we have some good players and hopefully the coach won't screw it up, right? That's it. <laughs> Well, given his track record, I'm pretty sure that the girls are in good hands and uh, whatever team you're coaching, I mean, you know, they've got a good man on their side. So let's talk a little bit about your baseball past. And I want to go all the way back to maybe your childhood. Do you remember your first encounter with baseball and what attracted you to the sport? Uh, I think the first time was probably, I was probably, uh, this is what my father tells me. I was like around two years old and, and playing wiffle ball. That's how it kind of got started. And, uh, you know, I tried to play all sports and I enjoyed all sports, but it seemed like baseball became easier to me um, for whatever reason. And uh, obviously that was my true love there. But uh, started at an early age, you know, at two and and just uh, took a liking to it and, uh, you know, kept playing it each and every year. And, and uh, you know, it's a one sport. You don't have to be a particular size or, um, you know, you can have have some natural ability there, you know, and have that good hand-eye coordination or, uh, you know, football, obviously you got to be big and strong and, and, you know, other sports as well, but baseball, you can, you can certainly, uh, you know, um, uh, hone your skills there just by, uh, you know, you don't have to be a, a specific specimen. I think the eyes and the mind are the great equalizer in baseball where you're right. I mean, like there's certain things that might eliminate you from becoming a basketball player or a soccer player, but with baseball, if you got good eyes and a good mind, uh, you can set yourself apart from the pack just with that. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think, you know, obviously in baseball, you have to have good hand eye coordination, you know, in soccer, it's more foot eye coordination, but I think, you know, in, in any sport, um, somebody that reaches their their maximum potential or success is when the body and the mind are working together. Uh, physically, you know, a lot of people have really good uh, tools and and uh, good skill set, but your mind has to work together with it. And and once that does happen, you know, uh, obviously you're going to see 
consistency and, and uh, maximum success. So you made your way up to the majors. I know you played for the Mets for a while, but you know, for one reason or another, you weren't able to kind of make a full career out of Major League Baseball. Do you think there was something in particular that prevented that from happening? No, you know, I mean, obviously it's very difficult to get to the Major Leagues. Um, I kind of went through the minor league system pretty quick. And I was the youngest player in the National League in 1982. Um, I got called up. I, I was doing real well in AAA. I think I had a 26-game hitting streak. Then I, um, one of the players got hurt, so they moved the third baseman to first. And uh, then I came up, played third base, and got off to a real good start in the major leagues as well. Um, and played every day for a couple years. Um, but, you know, there's so much competition. And, um, you know, and then I became more of a part-time player, um, you know, and ended up playing um, with my last team was the Mets in 1990 and, and um there had been interest you know from the japanese leagues uh prior but i just thought it was the right opportunity at that time you know because i wanted to play every day again and and um so obviously they gave me the opportunity for that to happen and things went pretty well and and uh, we ended up playing for six years over in japan so how did that all come about like it was through your agent i'm assuming but um like did you need to kind of Pull, uh, put it past your family and see how they what they thought about it or like what was your situation coming into Japan yeah they um, I was with the Mets and um, they did they went through my agent and uh, you know they said they were interested and you know um, and, and I think the biggest thing is you have to be in the right frame of mind you know um, and earlier it seemed like Japan guys were playing at the end of their careers, um, you know, that, that were established in the major leagues. But, you know, once I started getting to uh, Japan, it was more, they would prolong their career and even come back and play in the major leagues because the level of play is so good, you know, and, uh, you know, the competition is good, but, but there was interest, you know, um, uh, they like guy left-handed hitters because, you know, there's more right-handed pitchers and, they throw a lot of breaking balls and it comes in to the left-handed hitter. And I think, you know, you look at a lot of the foreign players or most of them, they hit the ball good to the opposite field. Those are the ones that have success in Japan. Even if the guy's a right-handed hitter, he, he can hit that breaking ball to right center or, or uh, you know, where they're not strictly a full hitter. And then obviously left-handed hitters, you know, you have to be able to go um, the other way. And, you know, whether it's fork balls or sliders or, I mean, their their off speed pitches, as you know, are very, very effective, and they'll throw you anything at any time. So that's why you know, and they look for contact hitters, and uh, you know that's what I you know, as you mentioned, you know, the on base percentage. So um, was able to put balls in play and and uh, found some holes, and and uh, it really worked out. I mean, I was very fortunate to get with the Tigers to start. Really enjoyed playing there. The fans, Anshin Tiger Fanwa. Ichiban, yeah. That's it. <laughs> there nothing, you go. Nothing like the Tiger fans. That's it. Yeah, for sure. So you came to Japan at the start of 1991. Do you remember getting off the airplane or landing in Japan and what your first thoughts were of Japan when you landed here? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, I had talked to some people that you know were ex teammates that uh, Larry Parrish had played with the Tigers and uh, some other players. So. You know, I, I knew at the time the team was struggling. I was aware of that. 
but um you know it it, it kind of like when i got on the plane it was like uh oh here we go you know i mean obviously it's not like you can come home for the weekend or but you know it it's it's how you handle things you know i mean obviously you're you know you're going to another country you have to learn another culture and you know i just wanted to to be able to fit in um and learn every day learn learn the language learn learn a lot of things about it and and i knew if i you know uh adapted to their culture and ad- adjusted to the culture and you know hopefully did well in ba- baseball that things would work out so but once i got off that plane you know how it goes that they, they have the press conference right away and and i think the first question i was asked was what do you think of japan you know <laughs> yep I, I was like mr baseball remember with uh you know, where they asked those, and, and I thought it was kind of, you know, facetious that, you know, I just got here, I just arrived. And, you know, I think maybe you need to, you know, give me a little bit more of a chance to see, you know, uh, the surroundings and, and take it in. But, uh, you know, I, I really, really, um, respect the people in Japan and love the country and, and, uh, you know, it's so clean and love the food and, and, uh, just energetic fans. And, and, uh, I was so glad that I, made that decision to come to Japan and, and, uh, was really blessed that started my career there with the Tigers. Do you remember your first spring training and what you thought of that time? We're in spring training right now. So it's kind of a timely topic, but yeah, uh, spring 1991. How did you feel about spring training? If you remember? Yeah, I remember we started, you know, like they do February 1st, uh, which was a little earlier than what we do in the United States. But, um, and I know that they kind of critique players early. Um, you know how they do that. Um, a new foreigner, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I would hear some things. But what had happened, we had an inter-squad game, and I think I had a hit. And then my first exhibition game, um, I hit a grand slam. And I'll never forget that. Um, and then it seemed like from that point on, they they just let me go. And they, you know, um, they didn't. Uh, they they said well if he if he did that this early um you know maybe he can adapt and adjust to to the style of play here so i think what happened was i was very fortunate that i got got off to a good start in spring training and then uh first game of the year against yokohama i hit a two-run homer so that helped as well where i got off to a good start once the regular season started and uh you know just continued from there and and, uh, you know, I was fortunate to have four really good years with the Tigers. Makes a big difference to start hot. <laughs> well, and, and I've seen where, you know, they're, they're relentless to the guys that, you know, struggle early, you know, and, and, you know, they only give them a certain amount of bats or they'll label people that they can or can't do this. So I was, I was very lucky that, you know, that grand slam happened. I remember it was against Cebu and, and it was first. I think it was my second at bat. I think I, I believe. I, and, and, uh, so we ended up winning the game too. So they liked that. And, and, uh, you know, so they, like I said, they kind of left me alone from that point on. In your first season, uh, I think Koshian stadium still had the lucky zone. Is that right? Yes. Yes. They, it did. they broke that down that off season. What are your thoughts on the removal of the lucky zone or how did you feel about having it there in the first place? Yeah, it was kind of tradition, um, you know, having that lucky zone. And, you know, for a hitter, obviously, it's a little shorter to to hit home runs there. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, 
with our team the next year we had a we had uh, a good pitching staff so by moving taking that lucky zone out and that was the year that we you know we we uh were competing with the swallows and uh you know took it right down to the end there and unfortunately came up a little short but but it actually helped our team at that time but uh you know obviously we didn't have a really good hitting team so we didn't take advantage of uh the lucky zone uh then but but i i like the lucky zone you know because uh you know you didn't have to hit it as far that's for sure so <laughs> but uh you know depending on the team and the makeup you know it can be an asset or um you know who knows could work against you in recent Are they talking about bringing it back yeah in recent years there's been a bit of rumblings about maybe bringing it back at least in right field because of the uh the hamakaze like the winds coming off of the sea um would you right. would you be for yeah. that yeah i would be for it i mean because i remember you know once you get in the in the summer there i mean you, you really got to hit a ball because it like you say, against the wind there, you know, um, and it's difficult. You see balls going out more to center or left, but, you know, then maybe in September, the ball starts going out to right a little bit more. But, but yeah, you really, you got to, because I remember hitting some balls in the air good and that wind would knock it down. So maybe that lucky zone will bring some, some good luck back to the Tigers there. Be nice for sure. So you played, I believe, um, your entire time with the Tigers was uh, Nakamura was the manager, and then you played under Nomura with the Swallows. Is that right? Correct. Yes. What yep. were your What were your thoughts of playing under these two guys? Both of them, of course, have passed on. But yeah, I think uh, with Nakamura, you know, he was my first manager there. You know, I, he did things a little differently. Um, you know, and it was more the Japanese style, and I think. Uh, no more took, you know, the American style, the major league style and the Japanese style and kind of, you know, intertwined them. And, uh, he was a thinking, uh, manager. Um, and it was like, we had another player on the field with him, with no more. Um, I really enjoyed playing for him. He, you know, he, he definitely had a good mind there and, and, uh, you know, but Nakamura was, you know, uh, I liked playing for him as well. Um, but you know, it seemed like, no more with a little more experience, um, you know, and, and, uh, you know, we never had to worry. It seemed like he always would make the right calls and, and, uh, you know, uh, whatever decisions he needed to make. So, but, uh, it definitely a contrast in managers and their style, but, uh, you know, I was, I was glad that, um, that I played for both. Obviously it paid off, uh, having Nomura with the Swallows because you guys won it all in 1995, um share a little bit about that experience moving to a new team and then winning the japan series in that first year yeah that was really an exciting year i mean we had we had a lot of good japanese players though um you know obviously furuta ikiyama and ida and you know we we were you know uh established on the japanese player side you know um and i remember uh you know we had bross and mulins we had some good foreign players as well, but it just seemed like, you know, we had a deep team, good pitching. Um, we were balanced, good hitting team. And from the start to the end, we, uh, basically controlled the central league. And, uh, I remember beating the giants in the, uh, um, you know, in the playoffs there and Hideki Matsui flew out the center field to eliminate the giants. And then we got to the series and we ended up beating Ichiro. So, um, you know, we, we certainly did 
very well, but we, we had a talented team. There's no doubt. And, uh, you know, I knew from spring training, we actually had spring training in Arizona that year. So that was nice. But, uh, you know, we had a talented team and, and, uh, you know, I think we were the, the better team that year in 95 to win the series. And those guys, you know, Furuta, Ikiyama, those guys, I mean, they had experience, you know, in the Japan series and, and they had won before. So they knew what it was like, you know. I think, you know, with the Tigers when we got 92, they never really were in that situation. We had a lot of younger players and they needed to gain more experience, um, you know, because once you're in those situations, it becomes a lot easier. So one of those younger players on the 92 squad was Tsuyoshi Shinjo, um, center fielder, I believe. Um what was it like playing with him? Did you guys get to interact quite a bit or what was it like just watching him as a young up and comer at the time? Oh yeah. He was very, very talented. I mean, he had a lot of natural ability, but at that time he was real raw, real young. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing that stood out was his arm. He had a tremendous arm from center field. Um, you know, he was, he was certainly, uh, you know, um, quite the character back then. Um, you know, and, and he had some good years with the Tigers and my understanding now he's, uh, managing, um, you know, up there in, in, uh, uh, Northern Japan there, right. He's, so he's a manager now, which, you know, I'm not sure how the team's doing, but, but, uh, yeah, he, he was never a dull moment with Shinjo. That's for sure. He was, he was entertaining on the field and off the field. And I think he still is right. That's it. Absolutely. Yeah. And I was, I was just thinking that, you know, he also got to play under Nomura as manager, um, in his final years with the Tigers. Um, but there's a sharp contrast between Nomura's managing management style and say Shinjo's management style. Um, do you think that there's a place in baseball for both of those styles, you know, the flamboyant style and the more traditional thinking style? Um, what are your thoughts about Shinjo, um, possibly being successful even as a manager of the fighters? Well, again, the, the, the players make you look good or make you look bad. And I think, you know, as a manager, you try to put the players in the right spot. So I think if he was, you know, um, if he had the right players, he certainly could win. You know, there's no doubt. But, you know, some of the closer games, that's where no more won. You know, a little, little extra strategy. And again, you know, putting the right players in the right place. And, and as a manager, that's all you can do. And sometimes, like I said, they either make you look good or make you look bad. So I think if he he was dealt, you know, some good players or better players, then then certainly they could they could uh, you know make a run there and and uh, be very competitive. So, but you know, it, it's probably a more relaxed style of uh, managing, you know, and and uh, you know, I'd say you know, knowing the way how Nomura-san was very disciplined, um, you know, he was kind of old school. Maybe Shinjo's a little different. But, you know, just from knowing him, I'm not sure how he manages, but I, I would think that, you know, a um, little, little more easy going, I would say, probably. That would be my guess. <laughs> I don't know if he's doing any stunts coming in the stadium certain, certain ways or whatever. I mean, just, you know, a little showman, showmanship. That's it. Yeah, so uh, at last year's home opener, he kind of flew in on like a giant kind of drone um uh, well, and, that, uh, that sounds like him no doubt and i yep. wonder what he's going to do because they're opening a new park there this spring i he's probably got something up his sleeve uh for oh, that yeah. opening day there is that is that a uh it's got to be a dome right 
No, it's not actually. It's well, it's uh, it's got a retractable roof, but it's going to be oh. open air. It looks absolutely gorgeous. So you'll have to, if you get a chance to come out to Japan, you'll have to head up there and and check out a game there, preferably in the summer when it's warmer. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, when it's warm in in the Kansai, and then certainly up in Sapporo, it's beautiful up there. Summertime, that's it. Definitely. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, yeah, and the, and the Sapporo Dome is not that old, right? I remember. I mean, like tw- twenty years, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how, you know, after 20 years that all of a sudden, and, and they're doing the same thing in the States where 20-year stadiums are like, you know, outdated or antiquated, you know? I mean, in comparison, you know, they're, they they continue building these beautiful stadiums. That's it. So, but they just keep upgrading uh, Koshin, right? They're that, never going to rebuild that. They're never going to rebuild no, that. No. That'll never go anywhere. That's right. It better not. No. There's too much, too much tradition there. I mean, anytime you get Babe Ruth playing there and obviously a lot of other, um, you know, big names, it, that stadium's got to stay right there. That's it. Well, there's talk of possibly breaking down your other old home stadium, Jingu, um, which a lot of fans are completely irate about, but they're thinking about rebuilding a different stadium there and actually redeveloping that into a completely different kind of commercial area. Um, what are your thoughts on Jingu Stadium? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see it remain as well. I mean, you know, that, that obviously some great memories there. And yeah, I mean, I'd heard maybe because of the Olympics, right, that they were talking about that too. I mean, but, uh, you know, the traditionalists, they want to see it remain. But, you know, there comes a time, you know, where maybe you need to upgrade and, and uh, you know, start fresh there. But, but um, you know, that to me, that was a great place to play. And, and I really enjoyed my time there. Let's get back a little bit to management and so on, because I read an article that said that um, back in 05, 04, 05, um, when the Blue Wave and the Buffaloes merged and they were looking to expand or bring in a new franchise and there was a kind of a, a competition, if you will, or whatever, a bidding war or whatever between Rakuten, who got the franchise, and Live Door. And I heard that you were actually slated to possibly be the manager of the team if Live Door had won. Is that true or did, is that just kind of made up no it's it's actually true i was actually hired as the manager and then uh, you know obviously whoever won the competition and rock 10 ended up winning it but uh and then uh i forget his name the the owner he ends up going to prison there for live door you know uh-huh. so but uh yeah i mean they he hired me and the general manager and, and just in case and uh and I remember at the time, Tao, he ended up getting the manager's job for Rock 10. So, but um, yeah, I was, I was honored and humbled to be named the manager back then. And, you know, um, you know, we were talking about who we might try to assemble or, you know, um, you know, from the start there, but that would have been a, that would have been a heck of a challenge and I, I would have looked forward to it. But um, unfortunately we came up a little short live door, but you know, who knows, maybe, Maybe someday we'll we'll get the opportunity to manage in Japan. That would be pretty sweet. Yeah, there have been foreigners, maybe not in NPB recently, but um, I think it's Ralph Bryant is up in Hokkaido in one of the kind of independent leagues uh, doing some managing there. And he had a solid career here in Japan as well. Oh, he did. He had, you know, he had unbelievable power, you know, and, and he's just a good human being for sure. So that's nice that he's back in Japan and, and, uh, you know, that's our home away from home. You know, we, we had a lot of fond memories and, and, uh, you know, 
And if, if you did things the right way and, and Ralph did things the right way and, and uh, he deserves a chance or an opportunity, that's for sure. So, yeah, I mean, you know, Bobby Valentine had a lot of success. There's, there's been success there, you know, um, foreign managers, but, you know, it all depends on the uh, organization and what direction they'd like to go. And, and uh, if they would, you know, take that, uh, you know, um, where they would, would give somebody an opportunity. Right. So speaking of good memories in Japan, um, let's go back to your time with the Tigers once again. And uh, can you think back on any particular game or play or season or whatever that uh, will always stick in your memory as far as your time with the Tigers? Uh, there was a lot of good memories. I just, I just like the pennant race that we had in 92 there, um, you know, with the swallows. I mean, just the stadium was full every day. I mean, you know, and that, that, that happens irregardless, but, you know, um, we would lose a game, they would lose a game. You know, we, we just couldn't, couldn't make that, that play or make that pitch when we needed it. And, uh, just came up a little short. Um, but that, that to me was, you know, some of the better memories. And, you know, like I say, I, I really enjoy playing in a pennant race and, and, uh, you know, and then obviously, uh, you know, winning the batting title the following year where, you know, um, was certainly, uh, uh, you know, I, I mean, I don't like to point out individual achievements, but that was certainly a, a big thrill for me there. Um, but you know, there was, you know, a lot of great people that I met, a lot of people that really took good care of me. And, and again, I have nothing but, um, fond memories and, and good things to say about all the tigers and their, their personnel and their, uh, management. One of the things that I've always been curious about is there was a CD release of you singing Take Me Out to the Ball Game and Roko Oroshi. Um, some of the fans might know the story of how this went down, like, but I don't. And I would love to hear from your perspective, like, how did this all come about? Yeah, there was a, um, it was after my first year. Um, so it must have been 92 where MBS, my Nietzsche broadcast system, um, I don't know if she's still on the air or not. Mickey Takai was her name. Um, and what happened was they approached me about doing a CD about uh, the translation from, you know, Japanese to English. She's like, way to swing the bat, way to hit the ball, um, and to where they would learn um, English terminology. So, and I said, yeah, no problem. We could, we could certainly do that. And then one thing led to another. So then they wanted me to sing, um, you know, Roko Oroshi. And, you know, I was, I was kind of limited on the amount of language that I knew at the time. And I can't sing as it is. And then I had to sing in Japanese, which is even tougher. And, um, and then they asked me to do the Star Spangled Banner. And one thing kept leading to another. And as it turned out, but, you know, the Japanese fans were very kind that, you know, they didn't mind that I, I couldn't sing. And, it sold a heck of a lot of copies. I'm not sure the total amount, but all I know is I remember going in the off season that year in New York City to Tower Records, and there it was. The CD was in huh. in New York City, and uh, but but uh, you know I I tried to you know show my personality over there, and and I think um, you know the Japanese fans really appreciated that you know, and and again that's all part of. Um, it's like going to a new school, going to a new, um, like if you were in the service, if your parent was in the, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta adjust. And, 
And, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of foreign players that come over there, you know, unfortunately they're not able to do that, but you know, the ones that have had success, they, they have that adaptability, but, uh, yeah, it was kind of ironic that on how well it took off. And, and again, I, I don't know if you ever recall, but there was shows here in the United States. If somebody couldn't sing, they would gong you. And that's what I kept saying that I, I would have been gonged, but, uh, but yeah, it, it really um, became a big hit. That uh, O'Malley's dynamic English, I think it was called. That was it. So, but uh, yeah, that was a thrill. But I, you know, I anything they wanted me to do, I would always go out of my way, and and I think that's why they really appreciated it. You know, and I tried to show the Japanese fans as much class as possible. I think I remember a TV show about four or five years back and they came back to visit you in the states and maybe asked you to like re-record or something like that or am i am i uh imagining things here what? yeah it was kamiyama kamiyama he <laughs> came back yeah so that, that's what happened yeah and and uh because he was in the little league world series as a manager out of osaka okay. and then he came back and where i coach is like right in that same area so we took him back to, you know, and it, there was a video where, um, and when I was playing in Japan, he took the little league team from Osaka to my house here locally. And, uh, but yeah, they, they, we went on a station there and, you know, I ended up saying, obviously the more, the more I did it, the easier it became, you know? So, uh, but there was a couple times where I was flown just, you know, just to sing Roko Oroshi, you know, uh, on television stations there. So. It, it it really you know it it got it got pretty big and I never expected it to to get to that point but it was it was a lot of fun no doubt. So then uh, in o two o three and from twenty fourteen to sixteen you came back to the Tigers as a hitting coach and we talked about this uh, previous time that we uh, chatted together but what do you feel were your biggest contributions uh, to the team during those years as hitting coach? Well, just, you know, experience from, from playing. Um, and I think Hoshino, he's the one that really started, you know, um, just giving me the opportunity, knowing that I could help the foreign players, um, you know, knowing that I had success as a player and I can pass on some of that wisdom or knowledge to the foreign players. Um, you know, with George Arias was already in Japan, but, um, you know, we kind of, we kind of helped him you know, hit the ball more all over the field and, uh, you know, just having another set of eyes, um, you know, watching them and, and on a daily basis and helping them what he might be doing right or wrong. And, and, uh, he had a huge year. Um, and you know, all the foreign players did well that year, Trey Moore and Valdez and, and, uh, you know, so it really worked out and, you know, 2003, obviously, uh, Jeff Williams, we signed to, and, and he had a huge year and had some great years in Japan. So there was a lot of, a lot of good things that came about from it. And Hoshino, he was like the pioneer, you know, uh, bringing a foreign player over and knowing, um, you know, um, how productive that could be. And, and then, you know, coming over later on too, you know, I, I scouted after that time, um, sending players over Vogel song and some of the other guys that I had signed. But um, also, you know, um, you know, with George or with uh, Gomez and Matt Merton, um, you know, those two guys that, and had some, you know, Merton did real well winning a batting title and, and uh, Gomez had some good years. 
and you know they were just consistent and and obviously you know foreign players do well the the uh you know the tigers do well and and you know that's what you need and they've had you know randy messenger had some big years um you know i was fortunate to sign him as well so um but you know hitting wise we're you know we're looking for that you know those those consistent foreign hitters but i was uh you know fortunate to help those guys and and they did real well do you think that it would benefit the team to have a foreigner on staff kind of in a similar role to what you had back in the day um like do you think that this should be something that is a constant with the team or what are your thoughts on that I really do. I mean, I think um, th that would really benefit the foreign players. I mean, just to have somebody to talk to, um, you know, because I, I went through the same thing. Every foreign player goes through similar situations, you know, and there's things that come up, you know, whether it's family related, whether it's, you know, things that you, you may see that, you know, uh, you don't realize, you know, and you have to, you know, be able to get through things. But, you know, and then also helping them you know, on the field. But so basically, you know, I was their manager, um, even though, you know, the manager was um, Wada at the time for uh, Gomez and them, but, you know, um, but still they, they came to me, we had really good communication and, and, you know, I tried to get the most out of each and every one of them. And I would say we were pretty successful, you know, with that, where they, they did very well. And, you know, instead of having potential or, you know, this guy looks like he may do well in Japan. There's, there's no guarantees, but I would, I would strongly recommend that, that the Tigers go back to that where they would bring somebody to help the foreign players. There, there's no doubt that, that, that 100%, uh, helps them out. So one of the managers, I guess that, I guess he was coach while you were also coach, uh, would be Okada. He's the, he's a returning manager now with the, the Tigers um any thoughts on the 2023 tigers how much are you following the team from back home these days yeah well i we were teammates uh okada and i um when i first came to japan and he was a coach when i was with hoshino there um at that time and you know of course he managed with uh uh oryx there so yeah i mean i follow the tigers you know um you know um, you know, I can, I can lean on people like yourself too, to help me out with some more, you know, good stuff. But, but, uh, you know, I still talk to a lot of people that work with the organization, you know, and, and, uh, you know, try and find out how things are going, but, you know, I'm always a, a tiger fan and always pulling for them to, to have as much success as possible. And, and, you know, when the tiger teams do well, they always used to say, you know, the, the economy does well because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people purchasing stuff and, you know, they, 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 the fans in Japan, the tiger fans, they, they certainly assist and help the economy. That's for sure. So, you know, that, that's a good thing where, you know, I think everybody's happy when the Kansai area is happy with it, you know, now this year, the Oryx won it, right? Correct. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So, um, and did they win it last year too, or? They won the Pacific, but they lost in the Japan series to the Swallows oh, okay. in, in 21. Yeah. Swallows won it. Yeah. Yeah. And then this year, the Swallows lost, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 So, but I understand there's a lot of good prospects, uh, certainly one on the Swallows, uh, a couple good pitchers that, you know, we got to keep our eye on here. Um, and there's always a lot of good prospects and a lot of good players. It just, 
a matter of who wants to come over, that's for sure. So, but, uh, you know, certainly like to follow the Japanese players when they come to the United States. And, you know, um, seems like the pitchers have really done well. And obviously, Mr. Otani, the sky's the limit with his ability. I mean, and there may, you know, Fujinami, they're talking about, you know, that he was a good hitting pitcher. But, you know, I don't, I don't think he's in the class of uh, Otani, that's for sure. No way. No, not at all. No. Yeah, exactly. um, so I'm, I'm assuming, I'm guessing you're going to be watching some World Baseball Classic coming up here next month, eh? Oh, there's no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, matter of fact, there were, you know, like we said, the, they report a little later and they're starting to, pitchers and catchers are starting to come here in the United States. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be fine. I mean, and, and what's nice is it seems like all the countries are, you know, most of the better players are playing. And uh, that's what will make it really competitive, you know, because some years you don't know, you know, they're not ready or, you know, they may have some kind of existing injury or something. But, you know, and I know the Japanese team, they'll be ready. That's for sure. And, and uh, they're getting a boost of, uh, you know, the better players and certainly Otani's son being there, too. But I know the U.S. team, they have a they have a solid team. So there's a lot of competition around the world and it makes for an unbelievable tournament and um i know the japanese they've won it what one time or twice twice they won in 06 and 09 yeah right when ochiro was there and and uh yeah i remember in san diego i think they won it yeah Mm -hmm. so um i know they're gonna be they'll be right in the thick of things that's that's you know and hensley's coaching one of the teams curacao dutch antilles he's the manager uh mulins the old swallow teammate so um, but yeah, I, I certainly will be a fan and I, I, I'm rooting for us and Japan in the final. There you go. That would make it, it a true baseball classic, world baseball classic. If that were to happen, that would be a classic, no doubt. And, uh, you know, and, and I know, I know, uh, you know, the type of players Japan have They're they're going to be, they're going to be, uh, you know, certainly reckoned with that's for sure. Definitely. Well, Tom, it's been a real pleasure uh, talking to you today. One last thing, um, as you might have heard, I'm not really sure, but the Hanshin Tigers this year are not using the word Yusho um, to uh, talk about their goals for the season. They're using the word Are, which kind of means like that. So it's kind of the code word. I'm wondering if you could just kind of give a shout out to the team and to the fans, just say something like Are Torimasho or Are Gambarimasho or something like that. Yeah, Are Gambari Masho. That's it. Anshin Tigers. Gambate. Nisen Niju Sunnen. Gambate. A class. Onigashimasu. Yeah. And Are. Onigashimasu. Are. san Gambare. Arigato. Gambare. Gambate. That's it. Yes, for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, yeah. So, once again, I don't know how many times I thank our guests, but you know, there's just no end to the amount of times that I need to thank them. Thank you, Tom, for joining us for a very fun talk, a great, um, yeah, just a great conversation. I felt like I was talking to a buddy about baseball and, uh, you know, even talked a little bit about the upcoming WBC, which was a lot of fun as well. Uh, Sanjay, any thoughts that you have about talking to Omari-san? Omachan, to me, um, you know, I think the, uh, the, the best part for me was that he called the 1992 season, uh, one of his highlights and, uh, that year, I was at Jingu. I can't tell you how many times. Uh, most of the time in the left field bleachers, you got to get there early. Uh, and, uh, you know, especially t- at, 
at the end of the season, like in, in the September or October period, I think it was even, um, the, the great atmosphere. And, you know, he did everything that was asked of him. Remember, he was playing first base the whole time. Um, and then they had some injuries somewhere. They asked him to play third, mm-hmm. which I guess, as per the interview, he had actually started as a third baseman in the majors. So right. I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. But yeah, he played third, made diving plays. He hit the ball, RBIs. I mean, he was he put the whole team on his back, and he almost won it single handedly and gave us the uh, gave us the pennant. But he yeah. fell short as the team did. I think there was one season. I don't remember which one it was. I'm pretty sure it was with the Tigers, though, where he played almost the whole season at the hot corner. It was just one season. The rest of the time, he was mostly at first base. But he won the Golden Glove, I believe, at third base. Whoa, you may be right. I could be wrong, but. I could be right. But anyways, um, we didn't talk about his golden glove or about his fielding at all. Um, was there anything in the interview that kind of like hit you as like, oh, that's something new. I didn't know that. Or that was really fun. Or you should have asked him this too or anything like that. Um, no, I thought that some of his analysis of, of you know, as when he was a scout and saying or the type of players who succeed well in Japan are the guys that are, you know, they look for contact hitters that, that are able to go the opposite field, even if you're right-handed, be able to hit right field and so on. I thought that kind of uh, discussion was um, interesting and certainly kind of fits the bill in terms of what, you know, we got noisy this year and he's supposed to be that kind of contact hitter, wide spray hitter. Yep. Um, so that was kind of encouraging. I also thought it was fascinating that um, the his opinion of the, the lucky zone mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, how it, it probably helped the team overall in 92, but uh, that he would welcome it back. And mm-hmm. I wasn't aware that you when you talked about how they might bring it back just for the right field, I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. Well, you know, what? I think that talk came about maybe in the 2021 or 2020 season around then. And actually, it was all the way back then that I first kind of got um, the idea to interview Tom O'Malley because I, I read an article written by somebody out in New Jersey. Um, and these days, a lot of articles that come out actually have the person's Twitter handle, the the author of the article, you know, the journalist's uh, Twitter handle at the end or at the start of the article. So I clicked on it. I reached out to the guy. I was like, hey, I read your article about Tom O'Malley. It was really good. Is there any chance that you could, uh, you know, hook me up with uh, Tom and I could get in touch with him? Because I, you know, and I explained who I was and he actually kind of hooked me up. He, he said, I'll talk to Tom. He got me Tom's phone number and he actually talked to Tom himself and said, hey, do you mind if this guy calls you? And, and Tom was like, yeah, no, not at all. That'd be great. And that was seriously, I think that was like November of 2020. And I That's finally cool. talked to him for the first time, um, like in January, like last or two months ago, I guess. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. And that has since been parlayed into, hey, you know, let's talk again and call me anytime and that kind of stuff. And so I probably will at some point. I don't know exactly what my uh, reason for doing so will be, except just to talk to a Tigers legend about uh, life as a former player, a former coach and how the Tigers are doing in 2023. You know, it, it, one of the things, of course, personally, that that touched me that he talked about was he was like, yeah, you know, I'm able to lean on good people like yourself to get information about the 2023 Tigers. So, you know, like it seems like maybe he is in on following H10 and what's good enough for Tom O'Malley should be good enough for the rest of you as well. No, <laughs> I caught that when he said that. And I, I I knew you were like patting yourself on the back. <laughs> sure was. Sure was. Uh, anything else that you want to talk about? Yeah, I was not aware at all about the whole live door thing. So, you know, that's not hunching, but I, I thought that was interesting. Right. And and maybe Hanshin needs to tap him for future manager, manager material. 
You know, I don't know if the media or if the fans would be able to handle a foreign manager anymore. I'm just not sure about that. Like, I mean, there's, well, I'll stop. I'll stop myself from saying anything that might uh, offend or hurt some, you know, anyone's feelings, but I don't know. It would be tricky. But yeah, so at that time, um, I'm guessing those talks came about in 2004. Well, he coached for the Tigers in 02 and 03, and that was his first coaching stint in Japan. But Obviously, he did something well then, and I wasn't around to know about it. But for him to catch the eyes of this, you know, committee who's trying to put in a bid for an expansion team and saying, look, our guy to be manager is going to be Tom O'Malley, as opposed to trying to get some other legend of the game within Japan. They were like, we're starting with a foreign manager. Like, that's that's pretty revolutionary. Well, Live Door was a revolutionary company. Apparently, except for that the the guy got jailed, but uh, you know we'll leave that for another person to cover on their own podcast if they want to. So, yeah, um, that one I think I picked that information off of Wikipedia or something, and I wanted to make sure that it was true, so that's why I asked him about it. And it was, it sure was, yeah. So Tom O'Malley, um, we loved having you on. We want to have you on again. Appreciate it. Let's get into some predictions. What's going to happen? Yes, they can. Check it out. H10 predictions. See the future. Yes, they can. Check it out. H10 predictions. So first thing up when we talk about predictions is um, I'll save the contest information for just a little bit later. I want to talk a little bit about the upcoming schedule between now and the next time that we talk on H10 Hunting Tigers English News. We have got um, seven preseason games that quote unquote count in the standings, plus a couple of uh, friendlies with some WBC teams. So this coming weekend, Saturday, Sunday, we host the Oryx Buffaloes at Koshien. Koshien is open for business on March the 4th. Hooray! Baseball's Woo-hoo. here. Yes. Then um, Monday, Tuesday, we'll be at Kyosera Dome in Osaka. The 6th, we are going to be facing Samurai Japan, the Team Japan for WBC in a friendly game. And that was the one you were saying that Yamamoto is going to be getting the start for the for WBC. Yeah, forward samurai and uh morista our golden uh, number one pick draft rookie uh is scheduled to start yes because, and because okada wants him to see as much quality pitching as possible and it doesn't get much more quality than yamamoto it sure doesn't it'll be interesting to see how he handles it and what he thinks after the fact so um yeah for us, Saiki and Nishi Junior are going to be on the mound for at least three innings apiece in that one. That's the, that's the plan. Okay, the very next afternoon, actually, so it's a day game after a night game, we will be playing against Team Korea, and I will be at that game. So it's going to be a lot of fun to see that one live and in person and uh, how the Tigers do there. Then we All get right. a day off. We face the Buffaloes at Kyosera, and then we have three straight at Koshien. Fighters, Fighters, Giants. And I'm going to the first of those uh, against the Fighters. Then we get a day off. We head to Yokohama, and we've got two against the Bay Stars. The first will be before we record. The second will be right after we record. And then after that, we still have eight more preseason games before that and before the season begins. So that is what we're looking at for up-and-coming Tigers action. And now we want to talk to you about the central league standings prediction contest which is back again in 2023 that's right we need you to think about how you think the central league standings are going to shake out and 
send us either an audio recording or a text with your predictions from sixth through first with a bit of reasoning there if you want try to keep it within around 90 seconds or so um and if you can send it in some audio format that i can listen to that would be great and the tiebreaker question in case you have the same standings bracket as somebody else is this how many home runs will sheldon noisy and johan mieses combine for in 2023 so there you have it All right. Well, that's a wrap. Thank you again for tuning in to HN Hunting Tigers English News. We appreciate your listenership. We would also appreciate your patronage. So if you go down to patreon.com slash the hunting tigers, you can get in on a whole bunch of extra content, which is all good stuff. If you are a big fan of the hunting tigers like myself and Sanjay, we're also in other places on the interwebs. Of course, we've got the website, we've got the Twitter, the Instagram, the YouTube and the Facebook all of them are places that you can get a bunch of extra information about the Hunching Tigers. T-Ray also has a daily sports column in Japanese if you want to try out your Nihongo. I do put that out in English on the H10 website as well. Um, I just submitted my most recent article yesterday, so it should be coming out within a couple of days here. It's kind of related to the WBC, so be sure to check that out. All those details, though, are in the show notes. Special thanks to Infraction for the theme music and show for mixing the pod for us. Sanjay, thank you again for joining me today. Thank you, T-Ray, as always, for having me on. It's always tons of fun. Yeah, yeah. All right, everyone. We'll catch you next time in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs>